Welcome into Real Pod Wednesdays. Dan Hope joined as always by Griffin Strom coming off a bye week for Ohio State, which uh, meant an opportunity, uh, at least for me, uh, to watch a little bit more uh, college football. Of course, uh, nice to get a nice little midseason break. How did you spend your bye week, Griffin? I actually went and saw the new Halloween movie with Michael Myers. That was fun. I also went to the Ohio Renaissance Fair about an hour or so away, and that was also a blast. Not football-related, either of those two things, but I did catch some uh, football as well. But it was good to get away for a little bit, do some fun things with the girlfriend. You'll be shocked to learn I did not go see a movie during my bye week, nor did I go to the Renaissance Fair. But... It was a nice opportunity, uh, at least for me, to, to watch a little bit more college football because you know I think the thing that's tough a lot of times we try to talk about you know the national landscape, the Big Ten landscape here on the show, and during a typical Saturday we really don't get to watch that much of our college football. You know, if it's a noon game for Ohio State, maybe you get to see the night games. If it's a night game for Ohio State, maybe you get to see the noon games, but because you're so busy, you know, before and after, and of course, during the game, you don't really get to see that much of the other college football games each Saturday. So we try to talk about the other teams in an educated fashion, you know, whether that's by, you know, watching highlights and uh, looking at numbers and all of that, but we don't always have a full picture of what uh, the other teams in the country are doing. And so, I think this past weekend kind of got me thinking more about just how Ohio State stacks up with everybody and kind of what the competition looks like. And it was a very interesting weekend once again in the Big Ten. You know, two of the games that I watched on Saturday were the Michigan State-Indiana game because Ohio State's got games coming up against both of those teams. And Indiana gave Michigan State a game, which made me think, okay, Maybe Michigan State's not as good as I thought they were, but it also made me think, well, maybe Indiana's not as bad as they look like on paper. And of course, Ohio State getting ready to play Indiana this weekend. And then watching that Iowa-Purdue game, you know, I had heard a lot of people saying, well, Iowa's really not as good as that number two uh, ranking they have. Obviously, you could see their offensive production wasn't that of what you typically expect from a number two team, but I hadn't really watched Iowa play that much. I saw the ending of that Iowa Penn state game, but other than that, I hadn't really seen Iowa play that much. So watching Iowa on Saturday certainly came across as, yeah, this is a team that's not as good as their record looked to that point in the season, but also made me think, Hmm, Purdue's better than I realized. Like Purdue was in the top 25 on Sunday. I didn't realize that, Purdue was a team that was even on the verge of being in the top 25 and of course you know went in there and you know had something we've seen uh we we saw ourselves back in 2018 when Purdue beat Ohio State at Purdue this win actually came at Iowa but Purdue a team that always seems to find a way once every few years to come up with a huge upset in, in doing that in Iowa City on Saturday. Yeah, Purdue for the last few years now has been able has been capable of putting up a huge passing game performance. Aiden O'Connell, I believe, the second straight game now has had th- 370 or more passing yards. And Iowa, of course, their offense, which had looked very impotent at times this year, especially with Spencer Petras, a quarterback, it finally caught up with them because they only scored seven points. Obviously, Spencer Petras threw like four interceptions or something like that. And also the Iowa defense, which had been turning people over like crazy. I want to say they only had caused one turnover or something like that against Purdue, which kind of goes to show if that defense isn't making a lot of plays to help set up that offense, 
what is the offense capable of doing in, in this game? It kind of showed that a lot of teams might be able to have success against Iowa. Maybe not a lot, but the better teams might have some success against Iowa if they can limit turnovers and also limit that Iowa offense, which doesn't seem great in the first place. So here's my question, Griffin. We're at the midway point of the season here. Every team in the Big Ten's played at least six games. Now we're, we're getting into that you know second half of a season stretch, which is going to be a gauntlet for Ohio State, and it's going to be a gauntlet throughout this entire conference leading up to that Big Ten championship game at the start of December. And you know, based on all the evidence we have, including some of these games we saw last week, what does that tell you more that? You know, maybe the other teams in the conference like Iowa and Michigan State aren't that good or that there's a lot of teams in this conference who can beat anybody or come close to beating anybody. I think there's definitely a good amount of parity in the Big Ten. I also think that it does kind of show me that, okay, maybe some of these teams aren't quite as, as good as we thought that they were a few weeks ago. And of course, that always happens because the beginning of the season, teams are putting up you know, huge numbers on maybe lesser opponents or, or what have you. Now we're starting to see that, okay, maybe let's dial back the hype on some of these teams, given that a Michigan state, like we said, kind of struggle with Indiana. Even you can kind of poke holes in the kind of resumes of all of these teams, even the undefeated teams, the Michigan's Michigan state, because they have struggled with opponents like Michigan struggling with Nebraska, Michigan state, obviously with Indiana, Iowa has a loss. Now Penn state already has a loss to Iowa. So it kind of goes to show me that at least from an Ohio State perspective, I'm not quite as scared for the Buckeyes as maybe I was a few weeks ago when Ohio State was still building its confidence and these teams looked a little bit better than they do now. I, I agree with all of that. I, I do come out of you know what we've seen the last few weeks, both from Ohio State and from the rest of the Big Ten, thinking that Ohio State is probably the best team in the Big Ten right now, that I, I do think Ohio State is you know, in terms of their potential and in terms of what they are at their best, they are a cut above these teams. You know, I, I still really haven't seen Michigan play that much because they've mostly played. They haven't really played many big games yet. I think we're going to learn more about Michigan when they play Michigan state here in a couple weeks. They still haven't really faced a ton of competition yet. Penn state, you know, I look at that game coming up in a couple weeks and I say the health of Sean Clifford is going to loom very large in that game because we saw how much, Taquan Roberson struggled against Iowa. I, I think if, if they're going to have a real chance to beat Ohio State, they're going to need Sean Clifford healthy. And we'll talk about that next week when we're previewing that game. But as I look at it right now, I, I look at it and, you know, I think over the last couple weeks, you know, I think there's been a lot of talk about how the rest of the Big Ten is catching up to Ohio State. And over the last couple weeks, I've started to feel like, okay, I'm not really sure if that's actually happened. Like, I still feel like if Ohio State hits its stride, that Ohio State's a cut above the rest of these teams, and Ohio State really should be able to beat all of these teams. Now, with with that being said, I also look at the rest of the schedule and go, I don't think there's any game on this schedule, any game, that you can go, well, this is 100% a win for Ohio State. There's no way Ohio State's going to lose this game. I mean, I think every game on the schedule from here on out has the potential to be challenging. I mean, you, you've you got four teams that are ranked in the top 25 now 
on that schedule in Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State, and Purdue. You've got Nebraska, which has been really up and down. But if you look at, you know, offensively at Nebraska, I mean, they, they've got a pretty highly ranked offense. So that's a team that could test an Ohio State defense that we're still not that sure about. And then even Indiana this week, I mean, I don't think this is the same Indiana team that took Ohio State to the wire last year, but they also only lost to Michigan State by five points, and Michigan State had really been making easy work of just about everybody they had played before that point. So I think you know the gauntlet starts right now, this week, and I think right now, I think we probably both think Ohio State is the class of a Big Ten, but the next seven weeks, if you include a Big Ten championship game, are going to tell us whether Ohio State actually is the class of the Big Ten. Yeah, so Dan, after Ohio State, we both, I believe, think that Ohio State has kind of shown to be probably the best team in the Big Ten. I still think that we probably are still about two weeks away, that Penn State game away from really being able to say, okay, this Ohio State team is X, Y, and Z. Yep. Because I still think, obviously, Rutgers, Maryland, we might talk a little bit more about how good those teams might actually be and how they stack up with some of the, the, the last six opponents on Ohio State's schedule. I think Indiana is still kind of in that lower tier category of Big Ten teams. I think once Ohio State plays Penn State and we see how they look in that game, we'll really be able to start projecting forward for Ohio State in a way that we probably can't right at this second. But Dan... Where would you rank the rest of the Ohio State, not the Ohio State, the rest of the Big Ten teams, the top teams in the Big Ten after Ohio State, after we've now seen an Iowa lose, we've seen Michigan State not look dominant against Indiana and some of those other Big Ten games we were able to watch this past weekend? Yeah, it's hard because, you know, I was on the radio last week and I was asked this question on the 11 uh, Warriors radio hour and, and and they asked me this question, and at the time I said, r- ranking ranking not in terms of resumes, but ranking in terms of which teams I think pose the biggest threat to Ohio State in terms of playing them in a game. And I put Michigan at the top of that list. I would still put Michigan at the top of that list. Like I said before, I also feel like we know the least about Michigan because I don't feel like Michigan has really faced much competition yet. And you know, even in games that they have, I mean, games like Rutgers and Nebraska, you know, they, they did not blow out those teams by any stretch. And a team like Rutgers, who you just mentioned, you know, I think bluntly, I think we were giving Rutgers too much credit a couple weeks ago before the Ohio State game when we were saying this isn't the same Rutgers. Last few weeks, they've, they've pretty much looked like the same Rutgers. So, I mean, I, I don't think they're as bad as they were two years ago with Chris Ash, but Rutgers right now is is once again, very much looking like one of the worst teams in the Big Ten. Maryland, a team that might be too. I mean, Maryland has has been pretty bad in its last couple games. And, you know, they lost Dante Demas, a really important player for them. You know, my, my, my feeling is that the next six games might all be tougher than these last three games that we've been given Ohio State so much love for. And so I don't know how much... Like you said, I, I don't know how much we really know Ohio State yet. As much as we might think we know Ohio State, like you said, I don't think until they play that Penn State game that we're going to really know what this Ohio State team is or can be. And I kind of feel the same way about Michigan. So to get back to your question, 
I do put Michigan number one, but I also feel like, okay, let's see how they do in two weeks against Michigan State, kind of the same way we feel about Ohio State with Penn State. And then we'll really know where that team is for real. I think the same goes for Michigan State. And I, even though they didn't look particularly impressive against Indiana, I'd still put them in that second spot because mainly because I think their offense is better than Iowa and Penn State. And you know, a team like Iowa, they already didn't really scare me that much from an Ohio State perspective because I don't think any defense is going to be able to just shut down this Ohio State offense. And Iowa has to, they have to win games by keeping it low scoring and by making big plays on defense. And we saw what happened when they when their defense stopped making the big plays they've lived on all year, they, 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 you know, got, got beaten down by Purdue. And so I, right now I would say Michigan, Michigan state, Penn state and Iowa in terms of, you know, what kind of threats they are to Ohio state. That's not to minimize the threat that's coming up with Penn state in a couple of weeks. Cause I think if Sean Clifford's healthy, that's a game that Penn State certainly could win, but I think Michigan and Michigan State, because I think they have better offenses, I think scare me more because I still don't know what Ohio State's defense is. I think Michigan State, what scares me about Michigan State is that we've seen dynamic play from them on offense on multiple levels. We've seen Peyton Thorne have huge games. We've seen Jalen Naylor have huge 200-yard receiving games. You've had Kenneth Walker, obviously, is a Doak Walker Award front runner slash potential Heisman contender if Michigan State stays on a roll here in a way that we haven't necessarily seen that on offense from some of these other Big Ten teams. Obviously, Penn State looked like a very different offense without Sean Clifford. Dan, what do you think about Iowa dropping several spots below Penn State in the AP poll, a team that they you know just beat? Of course, Penn State, if they had Sean Clifford, that game you know could go could have gone differently against Iowa, but, but do you think that, that was, that's warranted, or, or how would you stack them up, not in terms of how, you, how they scare you with Ohio State, per se, but just in terms of the overall college football landscape as a whole? Yeah, I mean, you could say the same thing about Oregon being several spots below Ohio State, right? I mean, they have the same record, and Oregon has a head-to-head win. So, uh, I don't know. I mean, honestly, I don't know that I've really given that much thought, because I, I just don't get too caught up in... The AP poll, I think when the college football playoff rankings come out, it's going to be interesting in both of those situations. If those teams still have identical records, which I don't know if they will, but uh, one of Ohio State or Penn State has to lose. We know that. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see how uh, the college football playoff uh, selection committee handles those situations in a few weeks. But I don't know. I, I don't know that I really uh, – put too much uh stock in that either way i mean it's hard to say you know which team is is better or worse right now and hey you mentioned oregon let's g- zoom out here for a moment away from the big 10 let's look at the the national scene for a minute here where do we think ohio state stacks up nationally obviously georgia still undefeated you've got alabama oklahoma cincinnati in the mix as well with ohio state is is that the top five right now and who else is the biggest threat to crash the college ball playoff party at the moment? Yeah, I mean, I, I think 
in terms of Ohio State spot in those aforementioned rankings, I think Ohio State is right where it should be at five, in, in my opinion. I think those are the teams right now that I look at as the top five teams in college football. You know, obviously Georgia, Oklahoma, Cincinnati, all being unbeaten. There's other teams that are unbeaten too. You know, if, if, if I was RJ Young, then I'd say Ohio State had to be outside the top 20 because <laughs> they've lost the game and they, they haven't beaten any ranked opponents. But in terms of the eye test and seeing what these teams have done on the field, to me, those are the five best teams. I don't know that I would have said that about Oklahoma a week ago, but seeing what Caleb Williams brought to that offense, I watched a lot of that Oklahoma TCU game on Saturday night too, and, and seeing what he has brought to that offense, seeing how spectacular he is playing, I think that's vaulted Oklahoma up to where I feel like, okay, at least offensively. You know, I, I, to me, this Oklahoma team looks a lot like every Oklahoma team, and that I think offensively, they're right up there with Ohio State is one of the most dangerous offensive teams in the country. I also think that most likely if they play a Georgia or an Alabama or an Ohio State in a college football playoff, that they're going to give up like 45-plus points because that usually seems to be the way it goes for Oklahoma. So I, I feel like this is kind of the same Oklahoma that we're, we're accustomed to. But when I look at the teams and I look at go, okay, who are the teams that I think are most likely to end up in that college football playoff at the end of the year? Those are the five teams to me that I look at right now as the most likely contenders. Uh, I know one of the questions we got this week was about Oregon uh, from Buckeye 74. They asked, is there anyone left on Oregon's schedule that you think has a good chance of beating them? Worried they might take our spot in the playoff. And, you know, to answer the first question, I think anybody could beat Oregon. I mean, if you watched the game on Friday, they almost lost to Cal. And they just lost to Stanford the week before. And so I think Oregon is very beatable right now. Uh, I don't know if there's a specific team. I think you're looking at the schedule right now there, Griffin. I don't know if there's a specific team that I go, oh, I think this team is going to beat Oregon. But I think it's very possible uh, Oregon loses another game. We're not going to know. We're not going to have a great read on this until we see the first set of playoff rankings. But... I also don't really think Ohio State fans have anything to worry about in terms of this idea that Oregon is going to keep Ohio State out of the playoff. For one, because you know both those teams finished with, as one-loss conference champs. I think there's a path for both of them to get in. But I also think that when you look at that second half of a schedule we've just talked about with Ohio State, you know, Ohio State's got the chance... Again, we don't know what the CFP rankings are going to look like. A lot of things can change. Purdue's a very, very fringe-ranked team right now, but it's possible, it's possible Ohio State could get as many as five ranked wins over the next seven weeks. And that also increases the possibility that Ohio State could lose a game. But if Ohio State can get through that schedule and win four or five ranked games as a, and finish as a 12-1 Big Ten champion, I just don't see that Ohio State team being left out. I... I I think it would take an awful lot to happen for that to happen. And I, you know, I think probably the doomsday scenario, if you're worried about that, if you think they would favor Oregon because of a head-to-head win, and I guess the doomsday scenario would be Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC championship game. 
Oklahoma wins out, Oregon wins out, and maybe, maybe in that scenario, there's a chance that Ohio State would be left out even as a one-loss Big Ten champion. But for one, I mean, this has already been a very unpredictable college football season. So most likely, more chaos is going to happen. The chaos could happen with Ohio State, but more like most likely things are not going to play out the way they're supposed to play out on paper because that's not the way this college football season has gone so far. But to me, in terms of Ohio State, just win. Like they just, they just got to win. If, 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 if they win out, I think there's like a 95% chance, maybe a 99% chance that if Ohio State wins the rest of its games, it's going to make the college football playoff. I don't disagree, but I do think one thing that's scary probably for Ohio State fans is the fact that if you look at Oregon's remaining schedule, which has no currently ranked teams left on it, you look at like Oklahoma's schedule, which I think maybe has one currently ranked opponent. Oklahoma State. Yep, yep. And then if you look at obviously Cincinnati's schedule and things like that, it seems like teams that are ranked, not, not in the case of Oregon, but in an Oklahoma or a Cincinnati scenario it seems like those teams are set up to win out easily but the thing is like you said if Ohio State wins out all of their wins are going to look so much better than those other teams wins it'll just come down to the argument in the end of does one loss mean more than and I think another thing for in favor of Ohio State much like the national championship winning season is if you lose the second game of the season that's a good time to lose a game you have all the rest of the season to to show how much you've improved. And then at the end of the season, you can say you're so much of a different team than you were at the beginning of the season. Whereas losing a game late in the season is a, is a, a different uh, story altogether. Yeah. And I think the converse of that is that those other teams have a lot less margin for error. I mean, if, if, if Oklahoma loses one game, even if they win the rest and win the big 12 championship, that might be enough to keep them out because they don't, they're not going to have the same, caliber of wins on their resume obviously a Cincinnati I mean I've said it before I think if you're Cincinnati what you need is less than four of these other teams to finish with one loss because I I do think I think Cincinnati is a legit top five team right now the way that they're playing they're playing some of the most well-rounded football in the entire country I think they legitimately belong in the top five and I think they have a legitimate chance to make the play I think they have a better chance than a group of five team has ever had and I think a lot of that is because of a chaos that's happening in college football but Cincinnati still needs help an undefeated Cincinnati is not getting in over a one loss Ohio State it's it's not going to happen because Ohio State's strength of schedule is going to be so much higher than Cincinnati's that the, the CFP committee is going to favor that. And so, you know, I think those teams have less margin for error. I mean, I, I mean, this, this season has been chaotic enough to where, you know, I, I, I typically just avoid going down this road because to me it's like Ohio State's got to win out. If Ohio State loses, it can effectively kiss its playoff hopes goodbye. But, like, this season's been chaotic enough where – you could start to look at it and say the possibility of a two loss team making the playoff this year is starting to look like something that's not completely out of a question. So I'm not saying Ohio state would be that team, but I, I am saying that like enough is happening here in college football that 
if chaos continues to reign for the second half of a season, we could see something unprecedented in terms of the playoff, whether that be a group of five team, whether that be a, a two loss team. And so I just feel like there's to see what's happened in the first half of a season and to be afraid that it's going to be all chalk the rest of the way and that's going to keep Ohio State out. For one, I don't even think it would keep Ohio State out. And two, I, I just think the chances are are much better than not that the rest of the season is not going to go chalk. It might not go chalk for Ohio State. I think Ohio State fans are obviously hoping it does, but there's just so much more of it that still uh, can and will happen over the next seven weeks that can change the very thing. I mean, I think it was on this podcast last week that I said I thought Iowa had a really good chance of going 12-0 and if it's schedule, and it already lost. So more things are going to happen. That's, that's what makes this fun is there's always going to be things that happen. I mean, in the entire college football playoff era, there's never been a year where just everything went chalk from October to December and, and nothing crazy happened to shake things up. So the way this year's going, I think it could be as crazy as ever, but I'm going to keep going back to the point that as long as Ohio state's in the position it's in right now as a one loss team, all it's got to do is just win out and it's going to make the playoff. And before we get too deep down the hypothetical path, the, the, the postseason path here, let's, let's rein it back in and look at the task at hand here for Ohio state this week. And let me take the listeners back and Dan back as well. To a year ago, I believe it was on not only my birthday, but also Dan Hope's birthday, because we both have the same birthday, November 21st, I believe it was, that Ohio State took on Indiana at Ohio Stadium. You all will remember, Ohio State struggled in that one, and Indiana used a furious second-half comeback to nearly tie it up on the last possession of the game. Ohio State escaped with a 42-35 win in the end, but of course, the Ohio State pass defense was flamed by Michael Penix Jr., Ty Freifogel, and the Hoosiers. But Dan, this current Indiana team is not the Indiana team that we saw last year and the one that a lot of us, myself included, thought could actually give Ohio State a real scare coming into this season. That prediction has proven to not look very good in hindsight. But also, Indiana's four losses this year are all to top 11 teams in the country, Cincinnati, Penn State, Iowa, and Michigan State. And one of the stats I put in my five things to know about Indiana was that Indiana has the second worst scoring defense in the Big Ten. But that is kind of a misnomer because even though a team like Iowa isn't necessarily some offensive dynamo, Indiana's still not allowing 20, un, allowing under 27 points per game and to very good competition. And it's just the fact that a lot of teams in the Big Ten this year have really good scoring defenses, which makes Indiana's look comparatively worse. And we just saw what Indiana did to a very good Michigan State offense last week. So, Dan, what are, what are your imp- impressions of this Indiana team that we've seen this year so far? Yeah, I know in some of my preseason predictions, it might have even been on your first or second podcast on the show, uh, I had said that I did think Ohio State was going to lose a game this year, and I was predicting that it would be the Indiana game. But I said, don't hold me to that because I – definitely uh, there was a good chance I would change my mind on that. And I have changed my mind on that. I'm not, I'm not picking this Indiana team to, to beat Ohio state. This Indiana team has not been what I thought it was going to be this year. But at the same time, 
all schedules are not created equal. And Indiana has had maybe the toughest schedule of the entire country so far this year, playing four teams that are currently ranked in the top 11. And so I think two things are both true here. One, this Indiana team is not what it was last year because the Indiana team last year showed it could win those kind of games. The Indiana team of last year you know, could have won one or two of those games. It, it did that last year. This year, Indiana has not found ways to win those games yet. They, this past weekend was the closest they came, where they gave Michigan State a real game, but they haven't found ways to win those games. They've scored only one touchdown in three Big Ten games. So this is an Indiana team that is not what it was last year. Part of that is because you know, Michael Penix Jr. Has, has been hurt. The, the offense has really struggled. Their offensive line has struggled. They haven't had much of a running game. Their offense should not be the threat that it was to the Buckeyes last season. And I also think, even though it's still got issues, I do think this Ohio State defense is in a better place now than it was going into that Indiana game last year. Because I think that Indiana game last year, you had an Indiana team that was peaking in its passing offense, and you had an Ohio State defense that had real problems stopping the pass. I think this Ohio State defense, at least from a pass defense standpoint, is better than than last year's, and I don't think Indiana is going to present the same kind of threat, regardless who plays at quarterback, though it certainly sounds like it's probably going to be Jack Tuttle, the backup quarterback, playing for Indiana. And so I think this is a game that Ohio State should be able to win comfortably. But I also don't just look at the records and go, oh, this is going to be a for sure blowout easy win for Ohio State. Because I do think Indiana is better than its record indicates. Ryan Day said that on Tuesday. And, you know, I think this is a team, an Indiana team, that, you know, you're playing at home on a Saturday night. I still think this is a team that's going to be hungry, even though they've had a tough start to the year. They're going to be hungry to try to prove they're better than what their record indicates. And so I, I, I think certainly this isn't a game that you can just look over. You, you can't just look ahead to Penn State and look past this game because we saw Indiana play them competitively last year, and even though they're not as good this year, they're, they're, still, they're still a team that I, I think... I do think they're a step up from, I think Maryland was a step up from Rutgers, and I think Indiana's a step up from Maryland. The Indiana run game has been among the worst in the country this year. I believe the the top, the bottom 22 or so teams in the country in terms of yards per carry. I want to say Indiana's averaging like 3.4 yards per carry this season, which obviously is not good. And Ohio State's run defense has really been peaking as of late. So that matchup does not sound like a great one for Indiana. But again, like we talked about, Look at the defenses that Indiana has played this season. Cincinnati, Penn State, Iowa. I mean, those are really, really good defenses. But then you look at the pass game for Indiana. Michael Penix Jr. hasn't been the same this season in general as he was last year. This guy's had so many season-ending injuries the last few years. Multiple ACL tears, a separated shoulder now he's dealing with. He was already not the same as he was last year this season when he was healthy. Jack Tuttle does not appear to be an improvement upon Penix, at least so far from what we've seen in the last game, three turnovers, I believe, for Jack Tuttle against Michigan State. And this Ohio State defense has proven to be very opportunistic when it comes to creating turnovers as of late. But Dan, Minbuck asks us if Indiana's, the Indiana offense that we're talking about scores 
X points, then Buckeye fans should be concerned about the defense moving forward. Solve for X. So basically, how many points can Indiana score and the Ohio State defense still seem to be improving as it has been in the recent weeks? Yeah, I'll say if Indiana scores 24 points, then Buckeye fans should be concerned because uh, this isn't an Indiana team that's scored many points this year. As I mentioned, they've scored one touchdown, I I believe, against uh, Big Ten opponents. They scored 15 total points against Michigan State, zero against Penn State, six against Iowa. Uh, they did score 24 points against Cincinnati, which has played well on defense. So I, I'd say if if 24 more, then I'd say, okay, that's that's a red flag. You could put the meme up on Twitter with all the, the red flags there if, if Ohio State <laughs> uh, allows more than 24 points against Indiana. But, you know, if Indiana scores, you know— I, People are going to look at those numbers, and they're not going to want Indiana to score many points at all. But I think if Indiana scored 21 points, I, I wouldn't necessarily view that as, as a red flag here. I think I think anything 24 or more would probably be not great for Ohio State. Considering they've only scored 21 points against a Big Ten competition, it's probably safe to say that if they equal that or more against Ohio State, that it would probably seem pretty bad for the Buckeyes. Dan, another fun matchup here, a game within the game, if you will. Denzel Burke versus Ty Ty Freifogel. Obviously, Indiana's wide receiver that torched Ohio State last year. Denzel Burke has shown to be really the number one cornerback for this Ohio State defense this year. What are you looking forward to about that matchup, and how do you see that matchup potentially going for one side or the other? Yeah, Ty Freifogel torched Ohio State last year, but so far this year he only has... 337 receiving yards and one touchdown in six games. So we haven't seen Ty Freifogel uh, go off the way he did last year. I mean, last year in eight games, he had over 700 receiving yards and six touchdowns. So I think, again, a part of that is the fact that, you know, Penix probably isn't going to be able to play. Tuttle isn't quite as dynamic as Penix is. And so, I don't view Freifogel as as big of a threat as he was last year. I also think the way Denzel Burke is playing, he's playing significantly better than any Ohio State cornerback played last year. And so I'd be very surprised if Ty Ty Freifogel goes off for 200 yards and three touchdowns again. That would certainly be a red, red flag if it happens. But I think Denzel Burke will be up to the task of that matchup. Is there any matchup that, like, you know, you look at Griffin as like, okay, this is a matchup to watch here? Honestly, Dan, I probably need to sink my teeth into some of the nitty-gritty details a little bit more in terms of that question. But I will say, looking here, because we were asked about the Ohio State defensive line versus the Indiana offensive line. Obviously, I just talked about how the Indiana run game has not been good this year. That seems like it should be an advantage for a an Ohio State run defense that has looked very good. Surprisingly, given the kind of poor quarterback play we've seen from Indiana, it appears as though the Indiana offensive line has given up very few sacks this season. As a matter of fact, it looks like they've only given up, they're only allowing two sacks per game this season, which is pretty good. But of course, we also haven't seen a ton of sack production out of the Ohio State defensive ends in particular. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out and if 
Obviously, Tuttle is able to have a better game against Ohio State now that he's going to have his second start of the season than he did against Michigan State. Yeah, based on what I've heard from people who watch more Indiana football than I do, Indiana's offensive line has been really bad this year. So I'm going to take their word for it that Indiana's offensive line hasn't been very good and Ohio State's defensive line probably should be able to win that matchup. I think flipping it around to the other side, I mean, Ohio State's offensive line has been really good, but you know, one thing that I certainly remember from last year's game was Indiana found a way to pressure Justin Fields in a way we really hadn't seen before. Justin Fields had one of his worst games as a Buckeye in that game, along with the Northwestern game later in the year. I think he threw three interceptions. We had never seen that from him before. They found a way with unique blitzes and pressures to fluster Justin Fields in a way we hadn't seen before. And so that's something I will be interested in. It came up a few times during the press conference on Tuesday is will Indiana be able to do that again to CJ Stroud? Because we haven't really seen a team get a lot of pressure on CJ Stroud. And again, that's a credit to the offensive line, but can Indiana dial up some different things defensively that maybe confuses the offensive line, maybe put CJ Stroud into some situations where he's going to have to be able to keep his cool under pressure. Because even though Kane Womack's no longer there as defensive coordinator, and even though Indiana's defense statistically hasn't been as good as they were a year ago. Their defense looked pretty good against Michigan State, and they still have Tom Allen. It's still his defense. It's still a similar defensive scheme. And so that's something I'll be watching for is, can Indiana's defense do things that make C.J. Stroud uncomfortable? And if so, how will he respond? Dan, here's a question that we probably cannot answer, but I'll pose it anyway. From Glass City Buckeyes here, how does the team, the team being Ohio State, of course, stay focused with a big game looming? Is it possible that Ohio State might get caught looking ahead? What say you to that philosophical question? I mean, it's always possible, but I mean, also Ohio State's had a week off to to get refocused and focus on this game. And so typically, if you're talking about a trap game, I'm typically not looking at a game after a bye week as being a trap game. And so I'd be surprised if if Ohio State was anything less than focused on this game. You know, Ryan Day uh, did make the point again on Tuesday, and he's made the point a lot in the past couple weeks about we have to stay focused one week at a time. And so I, I think he is guarding against some of that of, okay, now that we've got some momentum, now that we're on a roll, let's not get thinking too far ahead about – the college football playoff, we can do that. I know. I know. Sometimes people get people get upset when we look ahead, thinking that we're on the team, and that somehow us looking ahead is going to cause Ohio State to get distracted. Uh, it's perfectly fine for us to do that, but certainly within the walls of a Woody Hayes Athletic Center, uh, they want the team to be focused on just beating Indiana this week, and then next week you move ahead to Penn State and. I think I think they'll do a fine job of that. I mean, I think personally, if I was going to worry about a trap game at some point, I'd probably look at one of those Nebraska-Purdue games before they play Michigan State and Michigan. I think with an extra week to prepare for this one, I'd be surprised if Ohio State's anything less than as prepared as it needs to be to play Indiana. Yeah. And you got the game last year too, which I think you can use that and say, hey, these guys almost came back and beat us last year, so let's make sure that doesn't happen again. 
I've been erring a little bit cautious in terms of my score predictions in recent weeks, although I don't remember them specifically off the top of my head. This week, Dan, I think I'm going to go the opposite direction a little bit. Ohio State is favored by 20 points against the Hoosiers. Do the Buckeyes cover? I say yes, they do. I'm going to go 49-17 with my score prediction. But I actually wouldn't be surprised, maybe, if if Ohio State even scores a little bit more than that. I don't know how much I'm buying the Indiana might be a little bit better than we think type of line that we've heard from from some people over the last couple days. I think Ohio State's going to win this one big just like they have the last couple games. You said you were going to go aggressive, and then you said I wouldn't be surprised if they score more than your score prediction. So you're still being a little bit conservative there. That is true, but I still... 49-17, considering they're, they're only favored by 20, that's a little more aggressive. That's a little yes. more aggressive. No, it is, because I'm actually going 45-17, so you're actually going slightly more aggressive than I am. I, I, I do think this will be a convincing win for Ohio State. I... I don't think it's going to be a repeat of last year. I, Like I said, I do think Indiana is better than its record indicates. I also don't think it's a particularly good team this year. I, I don't think their offense is nearly as capable of challenging Ohio State's defense as it was last year. And I, I think it's fair to say, despite the stats, that this might be one of the better defenses that Ohio State has faced this year. But at the same time, they gave up 34 points to Iowa. They gave up 38 points to Cincinnati. They gave up 31 points to Western Kentucky. And I don't think there are very many defenses that if this Ohio State offense is clicking, that should be able to keep this Ohio State offense from scoring a lot of points. So I'm not quite going with a 50-point mark this week. I'm not quite going with that fourth straight 50-point game for Ohio State. But it wouldn't surprise me if they get there. I'm going to say they come up just short, 45-17, but I uh, do think they comfortably cover. Let's get into some forum poster questions here. This one from St. Louis Buckeye 15, mm-hmm. STL Buckeye 15. What are the biggest concerns going forward? Offense continuing to perform at such a high level against much better defenses. Defense continuing to improve, staying healthy during a brutal stretch. Dan, what are you most concerned about in regards to Ohio State moving forward? Yeah, I think... I mean, I think all of the above are things to monitor here over the second half of a season. I mean, I think the competition from the defense is going to get tougher for Ohio State. And so I think, you know, do I expect that Ohio State is going to score on every single possession against these teams like it did against Rutgers and Maryland? I don't. I'd also be surprised if playing a better defense suddenly means Ohio State can only score 20 points a game. But I do think it's, the competition is going to get tougher. And so I do think we're going to learn, especially you look at a game like next week against Penn State, we're going to learn more about this offense than we really have in the past few games in this second half stretch of a season. I think certainly for the defense, I mean, I think, I think the defense still is the chief concern because we saw, you know, the defense... Uh, really struggle early in the season, and it's not as if they've been playing a lead offense this year over the last few weeks. So, you know, I think the thing I think the thing about it is you look at the second half stretch of a season. On paper, these teams should challenge Ohio State more defensively than they will offensively, and that's probably a good thing for Ohio State because I think. You know, I think the team that's going to scare you the most if you're Ohio State is the team that's got that elite offense because 
if your defense can't get off the field against them, it might not matter how many points you're able to score. I, I don't think any of these teams in the second half of the season I look at and go, man, this team's a threat to score 50 points on Ohio State. I think all of these teams, if your offense continues to perform at the level it has, all of these teams should be beatable. It's just that question of can one of these defenses find a way to stop what the Ohio State offense is doing and then if that pairs up with the defense also regressing and looking like it did earlier in the season, that's where you can end up in a dangerous territory if both of those things happen. You know, I think, you know, you you can afford to have an off day on defense if your offense continues to play the way it has. You can afford to be a little bit off on offense if your defense continues to improve. You can't have them both pair together. And then certainly the last question, yeah, I mean, staying healthy is always going to be a major concern. I mean, right now it sounds like the team is very healthy going into the second half stretch of a season. It sounds like Haskell Garrett, Cam Brown, Mayan Williams, Tyreek Smith, all those guys are going to be back this week. So I think they're in a good spot with that right now. But certainly as you're about to play seven games in a row and probably not a ton of games where you can take your starters out early, certainly uh, staying healthy is always going to be near the top of the list. Buckeye11CS, how many carries will Travion Henderson have against Indiana? As the schedule gets tougher, what percentage of total carries should be going to Henderson? How does the staff balance his incredible talent with his youth and inexperience? I will say it will be interesting to see because we are supposed to be seeing the return of one Mayan Williams potentially this week. We know he's been, he started practicing again last week, according to Ryan Day. However, the fact that he's missed a couple games and the fact that Travion Henderson's been so hot probably means that we're not going to see a ton of Mayan Williams, I wouldn't think. So I would still definitely think we're probably going to see Travion Henderson and then probably Master Teague second in terms of a percentage split there. I would probably think we probably see 18 carries for Travion Henderson against Indiana, although that will obviously be dependent on how many points Ohio State scores early, how long Travion Henderson actually plays and things like that, then what do you envision there in terms of a running back split for this game? Yeah, 18 sounds like a good number for me for uh, Travion against Indiana. I think just for the season in general, I, I do think the per- the majority of carries are going to go to Henderson, especially in, in big games, especially in games that are competitive for four quarters. And I think certainly you, know, you look at games like Penn State, Michigan State, Michigan. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Travion gets 25-plus carries in those games. I think Travion is the feature back in this offense now, and he is going to get the majority of carries in big games. Like you said, Buckeye 11C, though, you, I, I, they do have to – always weigh that if the fact that he is a freshman this is a guy who didn't play a high school football season last year so I think that would be my biggest question right now about Travion is okay if he averages 20 carries a game for the next seven weeks is he going to be able to continue to be effective will is he going to be able to hold up to all of those hits on his body if he runs the ball 150 times in the next seven weeks. So I think that's certainly something that that they have to manage, and it is something that we're not going to know the answer to for sure until we actually see it because the first half of a season 
you know, he really didn't have a heavy other than the Tulsa game. He really didn't have a heavy workload in many of those games, even though, you know, he, he's taken the most snaps. It's not like there was a game where they were just asking him to run and run and run over again. So it's going to be interesting to see if he can hold up down the stretch. But I think as long as he's healthy, he's going to be the guy getting most of those carries because he's clearly the most talented back on the roster at this point, and, and he has an extra gear that just sets him apart from those other running backs. Sobchek 34, unless, of course, I'm pronouncing that wrong. Do you think the bye week came at the right time, or do you think it might have been better this week so the team is healed up for Penn State? I do think it's kind of a, a reasonable question. Somebody asked Ryan Day this on Tuesday, that the fact that Ohio State had been on such a roll right before the bye week, and would it have been better to get one more game in just because they seem to be trending up right now so much? I do think, yeah, I do think maybe having another week before the bye, especially with Penn State coming after that, would probably have been good for Ohio State. But on the other side of that equation is the fact that several guys were banged up for Ohio State because obviously Cam Brown left the game against uh, Maryland. Thayer Munford as well dealing with some issues. Haskell Garrett left that game early. So there, there are some injury issues that Ohio State needed to get healthy from going into this week. But I do think even with some of those injury issues, they probably would have rolled Indiana anyway. Given, let's let's say if they had had another blowout win and then you have a bye before Penn State, then we'd be talking about losing the momentum before playing one of your biggest games of the season. And so I think, I'm, I think it's almost perfect timing to have that bye week right in the middle of the season there. You know, six regular season games before it, six after. I think it's a nice uh, even split there of games. I think having a game this week allows you to you know try to get that momentum going right back up again and bring some of that into Penn State. Yeah, I think probably like if you had to choose, you'd probably take that bye week before Penn State because it is a big game and if you could have that advantage of an extra week of rest, that would probably help you. As it is, Ohio State and Penn State are going to enter this game in the exact same situation because Penn State also had a bye last week. So they're, they're both, you know, had that week to rest. Now they have one more game before they play each other next week. And so, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't really, uh, you know, I don't really read too much into any of that, but I, I, I do think that having it right in the middle of the season was a good thing. Like I said, I think they are healthy now and now it's just a matter of, you hope you can maintain that for the next seven weeks. And the only other question written on here is one we've kind of, kind of already addressed, which is, is there anyone left on Oregon's schedule that could give them a scare? We think even though there's not any ranked teams left, that they definitely could have some scares because they've only won the last two games against unranked opponents by seven points each. Dan, anything else you want to get off your chest to our wonderful listeners before we end this uh, wonderful podcast? Yeah, I mean, I, I'll say this. I, I thought it was interesting. I went to CJ Hicks's game on Friday night. And when I was talking to him, he, he revealed to me that Ohio state was going to put Quinn Ewers in the game. If Ohio state had got the ball back against Maryland. And I have no reason not to believe him on that because he was there at the game. He, he knows Quinn and they still talk a lot. And so I don't think he would have said that if it wasn't true. That said, when I asked Ryan Day about it on Tuesday, I asked Ryan Day, is Quinn Ewers 
ready to play. He said he's still not. And so uh, I don't know exactly what to think there. I guess if I, this would be my read on it, and I don't know for sure that it's correct, but my my read would be Quinn might not get a chance to play all year because there may not be any more blowout games. You don't know. So that's probably the right thing for Ryan to say because if Quinn doesn't play all year, then he can go back to saying, well, he, he just wasn't ready. He just needed more time. And I do believe him on that fit. They're not playing Quinn with the game on the line right now. I mean, un- unless CJ Stroud, Kyle McCord, and Jack Miller all got hurt, that's not going to happen. Not saying that. But I it did pique my curiosity in terms of will we see Quinn Ewers get in a game at all? Because he doesn't necessarily need to be, quote, ready to play to get in the game to hand the ball off a few times in, in the fourth quarter. So that piqued my interest in terms of whether we will see Quinn Ewers play at all this year. And I know some people don't even want to hear about Quinn Ewers right now because CJ Stroud's doing well. They, you know, they, they think maybe we focus a little too much on Quinn Ewers when he's probably not going to play at all till next year. And yeah, if I was betting right now on whether Quinn Ewers will play at all this year, I'd say probably not because I don't think there's going to be many more opportunities like he might've had against Maryland, but that did, that did pique my curiosity. Like, okay, if, if Ohio State can turn one of these games into a blowout, maybe, just maybe, we get to see a series of Quinnyors. We did get a little morsel from Ryan Day, though, about kind of a time frame of sorts for Quinnyors, which you haven't really gotten before, which is that Ryan Day said that maybe during bowl practice season, maybe at the end of the season, Quinnyors could see more practice reps and start to be at a place where potentially moving forward after that, he would be ready in such a situation to get in a game. Another thing I think we should acknowledge here on RailPod Wednesdays is Ohio State did get a commitment from Kenyatta Jackson, a defensive end from Florida, on uh, Tuesday, which uh, is a big commitment because Ohio State did not have any commitments from defensive linemen uh, before Tuesday. And uh, Garrett Codges told me they, they could take as many as five defensive linemen in this class. So they're Definitely behind the eight ball on that. At the same time, they're still in on a lot of top targets at the position. So uh, they're certainly still going after, you know, three or four more big targets here to try to round out that class. But uh, certainly a much needed uh, commitment from a defensive end on Tuesday. Dan, on the basketball front here, as we tie things up, Ohio State in the preseason poll ranked number 17. That was not surprising to me at all because after Ohio State lost Dwayne Washington, I know in a lot of preseason, way too early polls and things of that nature, Ohio State had dropped from kind of a top 10 team to kind of a maybe top 20 team after losing Washington. We got to see a basketball practice last week on Thursday, uh, the last half hour of a scrimmage. That was pretty interesting to see just because we haven't seen anything like that in a couple of years, basically, or really even when I covered the team in 2019, I didn't really see a, a lot of scrimmage action either. It was, it was interesting to see EJ Liddell playing more of a perimeter position, some guys bulking up a little bit. Interesting to see Joey Brunk adding a new element of a legitimate size for a, a real center in the Big Ten for Ohio State, something that they obviously did not have last year. That was something that jumped out. Any observations for you on that front, Dan? Yeah, I thought uh, you could definitely tell that Michi Johnson has gotten bigger. He's a guy who looks more ready to play college basketball now than he did when he joined the team as a high school senior last year. Uh, Eugene Brown, another guy who looks like he's really uh, bulked up. And you know, you mentioned Joey Brunke. It really does look like 
they're looking at, you know, Zed Key and Joey Brunk to get most of a minutes at center this year with EJ Liddell being a true four, playing more of a perimeter. I am curious how Kyle Young fits up that equation because they keep talking about Zed Key and Joey Brunk at center. And if, if EJ is going to be a true four, you have to imagine he's going to play the vast majority of minutes at four. So I'm, I'm curious to see, okay, did, how, where does Kyle fit into that? Is, is he going to get some minutes at a five, two? Maybe he gets some minutes at both. I'm, I'm kind of curious and it's hard to tell because he, he, he was not practicing when we were there. So it's hard to tell where exactly he might fit in, but that's one of the things I'm still curious about. A couple weeks from now, just two weeks from now on the pod, we will be talking about the first exhibition game for Ohio State, which is on November 1st against Indianapolis. Before then, they will have a, a scrimmage, an exhibition of sorts with Ole Miss, we found out. But aside a from that... A secret scrimmage. A secret scrimmage, <laughs> yes. We, we won't necessarily know the results or any details about that one, but... But they'll get leaked somehow. Right, right, right. And, and pretty soon here, we'll have some some actual hardwood action to discuss on top of Everything going on with the football team, of course. Dan, that's all I got. And we still got to we still got to do our basketball draft, right? Oh yeah, that'll be a fun one to do for sure. I, how about this? Ohio State men and women are both ranked seventeenth in the preseason poll. Who will finish higher at the end of season poll? I'm going to go with the men only because I actually know more about the men's team than I do the women's team. To be completely forthright with you. I'm gonna go for women. We're just gonna we're just we're just gonna go uh, opposing views here because uh, the, the fact that they're both ranked at the exact same spot tells you that they're uh, pretty equivalent teams. There, they're both teams that uh, I think have aspirations of trying to make you know, Final Four, or Elite Eight kind of runs, but they're maybe not necessarily front runners to do that. Uh, certainly, both teams that you'd like to see uh, get to at least the second weekend of the tournament. Uh, the, the women, of course, were banned from a postseason last year, and they've kind of had a history of underachieving in the postseason. And uh, it's certainly a reputation that Chris Holtman has to overcome, too, especially after what happened last year against Oral Roberts. So, Dan, where will we be dining in Indiana on Friday when we were on our road trip to Bloomington? You, you know I'm getting that. St. Elmo shrimp cocktail, maybe go to uh, Harry and Izzy's, which is St. Elmo's sister restaurant, uh, but all, has that shrimp cocktail. You you know I got to get that. But this time it's actually happening. I, 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 I said the cheesesteak a few weeks ago. That didn't actually happen, but Griffin knows I am not leaving India without my shrimp cocktail. Dan has spoken, and I will hold him to that, folks. Yeah, he will, he will make sure that I get my shrimp cocktail. <laughs> and we will make sure that we are in Bloomington on Saturday night to watch Ohio State play Indiana in the first of two back-to-back night games on ABC. I know a lot of you were really excited by that news on Monday that Ohio State will be hosting Penn State in primetime next week. So uh, it's going to be some late nights for us here the next couple of weeks, uh, but it's going to be a lot of fun uh, to watch some big games under the lights Uh, We know you guys are looking forward to it, and we're looking forward to it, too. So thanks for listening in to this week's episode of RealPod Wednesdays. We'll be back next week to talk about everything we learned in Bloomington and look ahead to a really big game between the Buckeyes and the Nittany Lions.